So welcome into this latest edition of the Golf Channel Podcast. I am Will Gray, uh, sitting in the locker room at Aaron Hills, pleased to be joined by qualifier extraordinaire Andy Pope, who uh, may not be a household name, but probably should be for his prowess in U.S. Open qualifying. Andy, first, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, but a little backstory: you've gone through qualifying each of the last three years. You made it through local and sectional in 2015 at Chambers Bay, made the cut there went through sectionals in 2016 for Oakmont, and now here you are again. You've made it through both stages. So uh, I guess are, are USGA qualifiers your favorite golf tournament of the year? Let's start there. Uh, yeah, first, thanks for having me on. Um, great to be out here with you. Um, yeah, I mean, with the USGA qualifiers, it's the biggest event of the year, and it's really the only time guys that don't have PGA status can really get into a big event like this. You know, the USGA does a great job, I think, of giving a lot of people around the world an opportunity to play in this because there are so many great players out there and you know I don't know if it's just playing in the qualifiers that gets me going or the idea of playing in the open but something really starts coming together and uh, you know I just start making putts and I'm really focused in I'm never really nervous and you know being here for a third time um, you know it really is something special at first you know the first year we were we were a little overwhelmed you know and you, you get out there and seems like a cool thing and then I made the cut and then you know next year make it to Oakmont and now that it's three in a row I mean I think I've tried to prove that you know not only is my game good enough to be out here but you know I belong right well this is certainly a tournament we've got a lot of uh, regular folks that, that people see week in and week out on the PGA Tour but then we also have a lot of guys like yourself who you've you've played on the web.com before don't have status right now I know you Monday qualified into an event on the web a couple weeks ago and had a good run but but what's that like kind of trying to dip your toe into this environment one week out of the year and, and really hit the ground running, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough. You know, a lot of these guys are uh, coming off great weeks at Memorial or FedEx, uh, St. Jude, where they're coming from. And, you know, I hadn't really played a four-day event, you know, since really uh, the Long Beach Open until Raleigh two weeks ago. So, you know, for me, it's a little tougher to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. Um, I think one of the biggest things is to not overdo it, so we've kind of taken it slow, done nine holes, nine holes, maybe 18 later this afternoon, but uh, I think a lot of times people can get overwhelmed by almost over-practicing, and I think that's one of the things I've kind of keyed on this year is we're going for a lot of rest and hydration just to make sure we're prepared for it. Do you take any, do you change at all your approach going into a qualifier, whether it's local or a 36-hole sectional versus how you might approach a tournament round yeah, otherwise? I mean, that's something I've been actually thinking about quite a bit, you know, and I, I think really the one thing that changes in people's mind is when you're trying to qualify, you know, there's eight or nine spots, so you're actually not so much worried about winning where you might make a couple different decisions where when you get into a tournament, you're thinking about trying to win so much that, um, you know, maybe taking the qualifying approach could end up being better if I just say, hey, maybe I'm just going to go for a top ten this week. I know that I've got 10 spots instead of trying to say, hey, I need to win, let's go for it, let's go for it. And you kind of start pressing when you make a bogey. Well, everyone's going to make them out here. So I think we're going to try to take that approach in the sense that, you know, we don't have to win the U.S. Open, and especially someone from like myself, it would be, you know, something truly remarkable. But if we are going to go in for a top 10 or a top 15, I think that gives us a better understanding that we'll accept the bogeys and the bad stuff and kind of help us to move on. 
Now you live down in Central Florida. You went to a local qualifier in Florida, but then you went up to Canoebrook in New Jersey, correct, for your sectional? Yes. So what's what's that thought process like for you in terms of once you've made it through local, kind of doing a priority ranking for where you want to play your sectional? Because there was a course much closer down in, in Jupiter that to, to close to where you live, but then you ended up choosing to go to a little further north to Canoebrook. Yeah, you know, the first year we did it in um, Jupiter, we did it at the Bears Club, and, uh, you know, I had felt when I came off playing that second round that, you know, we definitely were going to make it, and, you know, we, we, we made it, but, um, you know, through friends um, that are out here on the tour, Jim Renner and Rob Oppenheim, they um, had expressed to me that going up north, you play in twosomes on two different courses, so the idea of playing in twosome, three and a half hour round in probably 70 to 80 degree weather compared to threesomes down south, four, four and a half hour rounds. It just seems like you can get much better rhythm and um, you know, those courses just suit me. I'm from the Midwest, so the kind of tree-lined old school course is kind of more what I'm used to, although I live down in Orlando now. Um, really enjoy playing on those type of courses to frame the shot more for you. So we're talking on Wednesday afternoon. The big question is, this great unknown of Aaron Hills. So what what are your thoughts about the course and then maybe how do you compare it to two years ago at Chambers Bay where you played and you made the cut? Uh, you know, that's that's one that a lot of folks are drawing parallels to just because they're both new courses and a little bit outside the box for the USGA. Yeah, I mean, the courses are really very similar. Um, you know, this course fortunately has some really, really great greens this year. Um, I know everybody kind of was kicking around the greens at Chambers Bay. Um, you know, everybody had to play on them, so you know, I didn't really draw back on that in terms of the course, but it definitely has the Chambers Bay feel. There's a lot of tee shots out here that are a little blind, so getting used to those tee shots is uh, a little tougher than most, especially like in Oakmont. Um, but I think the course is in amazing shape. You know, there's plenty of room to drive it, and there's a few holes, you know, that they give you a lot of risk-reward out here, which I think is great. I think the design is awesome. And, you know, the 500-yard par fours, the greens are big enough where you can land, you know, a five wood or a hybrid coming into there. So you'll be able to get a putt and land it on the green. It's not like you're hitting it to these really, really tight, small greens. So I don't think that's gonna be too big of a factor. The big buzzword for everyone, at least last 24 hours, has been fescue. What was your reaction when you heard or saw that the USGA decided to trim some of the fescue around these fairways and how much of an impact or less of an impact do you see it making this week? Yeah, you know, the fescue has been kind of wispy. I thought I thought it was going to be playable, and, you know, for myself, I don't hit it as far as, you know, Dustin and John Rahm and some of the big guys out here. So, you know, for me, you know, U.S. Open, that's why I think it's such a great venue is it, it can cater to the shorter players that can hit it straight. So, you know, when I, I think I saw Rory had said, you know, these fairways are big enough, you should be able to hit them, and I, I completely agree with what he stated there. I was... You know, not too happy to see them cutting that down. Just for a guy like myself, you know, my first thing is put it in the fairway, and that's hopefully what I'll be doing and playing from the fairway most of the time. The USGA, Mike Davis and his crew, they're all notable for kind of doing a hands-on approach, let's say, to course management. It seems to be that they have uh, enjoyed having even par be around a winning score. This is a tournament once a year where, where par is always a good score on any given hole. How much of that 
how much of an emphasis do you have to put on the mental aspect as a player in terms of getting in the USGA mindset of this course is going to beat your brains in and you need to try and survive through 72 hole? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because kind of what happened at Oakma when I was playing was we started making a couple bogeys on the back nine after starting off well and then all of a sudden we, were, we tried to press to make birdies and when you press to make birdies out here, it just is too tough, you know. They got the course set up hard enough, so it's really, yeah, to get into the mindset that par is good is pretty tough, especially for a lot of these guys out here that are the best in the world. So, you know, to get into that mindset isn't easy, but at the end of the day, once you realize you're out there and you see what the course is presented and where the pins are and how it is playing, you start to quickly realize that par actually is a good score and sometimes bogey just because you're in such trouble. Um, but it's a definitely a different mindset, especially coming from like the web.com where you know you see the scores being 15, 20 under par and you're used to guys going, you know, you get to the, the first tee and someone's already shot nine under. Well, that's not the case. You know, you get out here and two under looks like a heck of a score. So it is definitely different in that sense. Um, I'm not sure the type of prep you can do to make that, you know, mentally on you, but it's uh, it's something that everybody's going to be dealing with. And, you know, I, I don't see a, too many birdies, even with the par fives this week. They're not uh, exactly reachable. I'm sure they're going to play the tees up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what the scores are. I, I'm predicting three to four under. I, if I give you 15 under right now, you're going to take it? I would take that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I know it's playing soft, um, and they keep talking about that. But you can see they called for rain all day this afternoon. It's gorgeous out here right now, and it's going to start baking out. What do you feel like is going to be the biggest factor for success this week on this golf course? You know, I really think it's going to be driving the ball straight. I think if you can drive it straight out here, you're going to put yourself, you're going to give yourself more opportunities out here, and that's really, I think, what it's going to come out to be. Um, if you're only giving yourself eight, ten opportunities to, you know, try to make birdies, I think you're going to be struggling. The guys that can hit, you know, 10 to 13 fairways around are going to be getting themselves 14, 15 chances. I think, you know, just like any U.S. Open, it, it really does, I think, cater to some of the ball strikers. So there are 21 guys in this week's field out of 156 that, like you, made it through both local and sectional. That's I look. I think since 1980, there's only been one year where there have been fewer guys, and that was at Marion in 2013. This tournament continues to evolve with different exemptions, things like that. I mean, we saw 20, 30 years ago, maybe half the field had to go through 54 holes of qualifying like you did. What are your thoughts on the, just the whole democratic process of the U.S. Open? Do you wish that there was more emphasis on making your way through the hard way that, you, that you've taken the last three years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I've said, there's a lot of great players out there. And, you know, each week on the PGA Tour, there's only 156 guys that get to tee it up. A playoff um, for the GMO actually up here about 10 years ago with my brother on the bad caddy. And you know, as we were driving back, I asked him, you know, how many people he thought played in the PGA Tour event each year. And he said, you know, I don't know, a thousand. And I said, it's probably more like 250. And the realization is, is you know, it, it's really tough to get out here. So for the USGA to have an open qualifier like this and give, you know, everybody an opportunity, I wish they had a lot more like this just because there are so many guys like myself that. You know, really do have a game that could play out here, but you know, with the lack of opportunities, you know, it makes it really tough. You know, not only financially, but just you know, trying to make a, just a living on a day-to-day -day basis. When the uh, first round tee times came out, you had to scroll pretty far down to find your name. 242 
local time, the last tee time for the opening round. Uh, a, when was the last time you had a tee time past 2.30, not in a Friday money game, let's say. Yeah. And then uh, what's what's that prep going to be like for you tomorrow? I know you're going to be antsy to get out on the course, but then you, you've got to try and conserve your energy as well. Right, yeah, no, um, you know, I'm unfortunately kind of used to it the way um, the web.com does their tee times too. If you didn't have conditional, if you didn't have full stats, you were kind of towards the back. So, um, you know, I kind of know it's going to be slow out there. Um, already prepared for that and that's why we're doing an afternoon tea time today uh, i got family in town we're going to go over to their house that they rented cook some food hang out probably make it a later night than normal just to try to stay up that way we can sleep a little bit longer but um yeah teeing off at 248 in the afternoon just seems like uh, we're getting the twilight right <laughs> there you go you get a discount uh on the greens feed for sure you said you got family in town. Who all do you have with you this week? And is it, are you superstitious at all? Is it the same group of people that have uh, that were with you at Chambers and Oakmont last um, year? No, I got a great core family that has always supported me. My mom and dad will be up here, brother and sister. Of course, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law as well are coming. Um, and then I got my wife with me and my son. And then um, actually this year I got uh, like three of my best buddies that have come up from Chicago and Duluth. My best friend came down. He's in the uh, firefighter up in Duluth. And they dropped down and they're actually going to stay with us. We rented a house um, for my wife and them. But yeah, it's really fun for everybody to come out and have their support. And then, uh, you know, we got friends and family that are also coming from Chicago. But yeah, this year we're going to kind of do it a little different. I'm going to have a couple buddies staying with us. In years past, it's always been um, my wife and my caddy, Joe. Um, and this year we're going to have a couple other friends staying with us, try to keep it loose, and uh, really just enjoy you know, being up in Wisconsin. Now I know you talked to uh, Steve Burkowski on live from yesterday. My understanding is you had a couple errant shots recently. Was it last year? Last year. That uh, caught, caught a wedge a little thin? Yeah, yeah. We were chipping around in the practice round, uh, trying to hit some high flops out of the uh, tall grass near the 13th par 3 green. and. Uh, you know, unfortunately caught one a little uh, thin and uh, caught my wife on the forehead. And, um, you know, by the time I got over to see her, this, it had unfortunately swelled up to about the size of a golf ball. Um, <laughs> Gosh. Fortunately for her, she, uh, she really did take it well. She was fine. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we were chuckling about that. And then sure enough, last week in the rest in Chicago, I, uh, I hit a driver on the ninth hole where most guys weren't. And I had to keep it up the right side and hit it right up the card path. And, you know, unfortunately, I uh, hit my mother. Fortunately enough, it hit her in the purse. <laughs> oh, there you um, go. You know, the lo it made a loud noise. I thought the worst, um, but she was okay. And uh, we all enjoyed a laugh, but I can tell you, Hitting a, hitting a shot after hitting your mother, um, it came very close to the hosel. <laughs> Maybe aim a little aim a little left with a shaky hand at the time, right? Uh, how, how much of a struggle is it for you to be in this situation where you've got major champions as we're talking, walking back and forth to to keep your focus on the task at hand? Maybe is it easier the third time through than perhaps what you faced uh, two years ago at Chambers back? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you kind of get inside the ropes with all these guys at first, you might think, uh, you know, what am I doing out here? And there goes Tiger, and there goes Jason Day. Um, now it's at the point, I was saying yesterday at lunch, you know, we were so comfortable just enjoying ourselves that we kind of forgot that there was all these people out here. And, um, I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of these guys now, and um, yeah, I think my game's good enough to compete with these guys. I've been putting really well, I drive it straight, and yeah, you know, if, 
first there was maybe a little shell shock the first couple of years, you're not used to it, but in, in reality, you know, they're just the same as we are, they're just normal dudes, and they play, happen to play golf, and, um, you know, that's all we're going to do, we're going to go out and keep it loose, and, uh, and try to give them all we got. So what's one hole, uh, going back to Aaron Hills, what's one hole this week you feel like could be a difference maker when we look back on Sunday, it could be, it could be more pivotal than we might expect you right know, now? You that, uh, the stretch of 15, 16 or 14, 15, the par 5 and drivable par 4. I'm curious to see how many days they make that drivable. And even if they don't make um, 15 drivable or 16, the, uh, the the layup shot isn't that easy. Um, so I think that's going to be the key hole coming down the stretch. And that par 5 there with the green and the runoff. Um, if they move the tees up and make it reachable to entice guys to go for it, um, you can see some guys chipping back and forth. So I, I think those two holes coming down the stretch are going to be pretty interesting. You could have some three-shot swings there for sure. How different is it for for you in this event where, you know, the USJ, they've made it clear we've got multiple tee boxes, multiple options. We're looking at the wind and the weather each day. That you're really going to be playing four different golf courses and you're not going to know but a couple hours before your tee time versus, you know, at the web.com event last week, you know on Tuesday the course that you're going to see Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. I think that's actually um, probably to the advantage of the guys that haven't played in a lot of majors, just in the sense that, you know, it's like playing your own home course. If you played your own course enough, you know what the green does, you know where the pins are going to be, you know which side to miss and which side not to, where this week I think it's going to be an unknown for everybody. So I think everyone's going to be out there, you know, really trying to guess which side of the pin is going to be good. So. Um, you know, although I'm not going to know like everybody else, that also means that these guys aren't going to have the advantage, you know, say if Phil was here and he played at Oakmont three times or wing foot, or, you know, so I, I think that kind of helps the level of playing field in a sense. How big of a factor are these bunkers? We've talked about, you know, they've got little nooks and crannies and that you can end up in spots just from walking this course where you, you can't even make contact with the ball and some of these smaller fingers and bunkers in order to get it next to the hole. you got to yeah, kind of play sideways. They're, uh, they're definitely well positioned and pretty well designed for making it a penalty. Um, I, seen, I saw a couple guys who yeah, couldn't even get a club on the ball, and the sand actually feels a little um, more dense, I would say, than other sand, so it's a little thicker. It's, uh, you've got to actually kind of attack the ball to get it out of there. But yeah, it seems if you're just off out here, that's where it's really gonna bite you. I would say, you know, if you're actually offline a little bit more, you can find more of the wispier stuff and be in the spot where you could potentially get it up and down. But a lot of the bunkers just off the green and off the fairways, if you barely roll it in, that's where it's gonna be pretty uh, penalizing. You mentioned 14 and 15 could be pivotal, but heading into you know, these last few hours of prep for you, is there one shot or is there one hole that you feel like you need to give some extra attention to that you're you, you want to kind of iron out a game plan for? Yeah, the uh, the tee shot on 11, um, the design of that hole is just so great. You know, I remember the first time we looked at it, you can see the green kind of out there on the left, and you, you point to this tree that's about 100 yards right, and you say, hey, that's the middle of the fairway. Um, I played with Kevin Kisner on Sunday, and we both just kind of laughed, and he hit one just left of the tree, and I hit one kind of right at the tree, and we got up there. His ball was in the tall stuff, and mine was on the left side of the fairway. So to visually, you know, have to aim 150 yards right of what you think is correct is pretty tough. So the tee shots on 11 and 12 as well, I think, are going to be pivotal. So that's where we're going to kind of go focus on this afternoon. 
that's kind of the idea though, right? Blink style, a couple blind shots, runoffs around the greens. This is this is not your mama's US Open, right? No, for sure. It's definitely got a different feel. You know, I was so excited to get to Oakmont last year looking for the fast greens, tall rough, just kind of right in front of you. And this is uh, just a completely different beast. Blind shots, like you said, rolling hills, kind of playing slopes. You're gonna be hitting approach shots into greens where you know, you're going to be aiming 20, 30, 40 feet left or right to try to play the bank just to keep it on the safe side. And um, yeah, it, and it really does have that Chambers Bay feel where I think guys are going to be able to hit great shots, but there are also going to be uh, times where you know guys are going to be struggling and make bogey. As a player, do you like the USGA going to new places like this two out of the last three years, or, or do you prefer to have the US Open venues kind of how we've known them for? The previous 1520? Um, I think it's pretty unique. I like what they're doing with the public courses because it gives everybody a chance to go play one of these events where, you know, to get on some of the pristine courses or to go play Medina would be tough or to go play Oakland. You know, not everybody can get on there, but if you wanted to come play Aaron Hills, you could. If you wanted to go play Beth, Beth Page Black, was one I always wanted to play in that seemed pretty awesome. A lot of New Yorkers enjoy that course, I know, and same with Chambers Bay. So I think it's I think it's great what the USJ does. I think they do a great job of promoting the game. They're trying to get people involved, and you know, for anybody that's out here spectating to be able to go and play the course two, three weeks from now, I, I think that would be a heck of an experience. So I, I really enjoy what they're doing. Have you thought about treating every round of golf you play like a USGA qualifier based on your level of success recently? Well, yeah, that's just something we've kind of gotten yeah. at. And so maybe that's kind of what we're going to go with this week. Just kind of say, hey, we need it's a qualifier. This isn't a tournament. You know, and I kind of was saying that last night. Well, you know what? This is our qualifier for the British Open. This is our qualifier for, you know, the Masters. If they finish top four here, you get all the majors. So... Um, we're actually going to kind of try to take that approach instead of focusing so much on trying to win an event or, you know, if you're just trying to make a cut, I learned that a long time ago. If you're always just trying to make a cut on the web.com, well, you're going to finish right around the cut. And, you know, you're probably not going to make too many of them because you're just, you've set that bar right there. So we're going to try to keep the bar somewhat high, but I think, you know, if we're in contention on Sunday afternoon, that's right where we want to be with a chance. But, you know, a top 10, top 15, I think we're going to treat it more of a qualifying Mm -hmm. than, you know, focusing so much on trying to actually win. These are the tournaments every year. There's only four of them. This is where the doors can open. If, if you have one good week, this is where you want it to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been playing great golf the last uh, three weeks just to qualify to Raleigh for the web.com. I had to shoot 64, shot 66 in the final round there Sunday, then went to Canoe Rook and had to shoot 68, 66. So we're just saying if we could put together one more week of four great rounds, you know, that could be a life changer. So we're looking forward to it. Very best of luck to you this week. Andy Pope, three times in a row. You've made it the hard way into the U.S. Open, but this is the ultimate democratic tournament in golf. So uh, there are plenty of players in your position in this week's field at Aaron Hills. Thank you for joining us on this Golf Channel podcast, and uh, good luck tackling the beast out there. Thanks a lot, Will. Appreciate right. your time. Yep.